A Chip's Edge by A.C. Danvers, Chapter 5 There's no one here by that name, Sela replied levelly. Come on, I'd recognize those ears anywhere, the stranger remarked, with a slight air of smugness to their tone. Sela's mind raced as she tried to place the stranger's voice and failed, but she sat still, a half-eaten dumpling still clutched in her chopstick. Isla gave the stranger a stern look. I think you've made a mistake. You'd best move along, friend. A scruffy canine with ill-kept yellow fur and a polo shirt and jeans, the stranger returned Isla's gaze with a brief look of impotent defiance, then disregarded her and continued. Don't you recognize me? It's Dace. He placed a paw on Sila's shoulder. The dumpling dropped. Sila's eyes went wide. Now she placed him. A cloud of crude messages, creepy photos, and unwanted virtual gifts that lived in a part of her mind she'd rather stayed buried. Now why don't you, Dace began, but Sila cut him off. Get your hand off me. Her tone was clipped and instantly tense, the words passing through gritted teeth. She flashed a look of danger at Isla. This wasn't a stranger, it was a threat. Isla nodded. Dace refused to budge and continued with the same false charm. Now is that any way to talk to your biggest fan? Sila's own paws clenched and on instinct she found herself gripping the chopsticks almost as a weapon. Isla was quick to her feet. She stood over the table, a good head height taller than Dace, and Stern had been replaced with active threat. Listen, she ain't buying, kid. Move along before you get hurt. Dace's unconvincing air of amiability dropped. Why don't you stay out of this, rock belly? He sneered at Isla, hand still on Sila's shoulder. Isla's temper flared, but it was Sila who acted. That's enough, she shouted, and in one single motion whirled up and out of her chair, drew her claw from her inside pocket, and landed a blow directly to Dace's chest with a charge of crackling energy. The force sent Dace reeling into the alley and against the corrugated steel wall opposite the dining area. Isla looked on in surprise for a moment as Sila stood over Dace's now unconscious form with a mix of furious triumph and slowly growing horror. But before they could react further, a shout came from the end of the alley. Discpats. A patrol of two had spotted the scene and were now jogging towards them. Isla barked an order of, Run! before grabbing the day's Sila and pulling her along as she darted down a cross street. Sila regained her composure and soon followed under her own power, having the presence of mind to stow the claw back in her jacket pocket. This way, I know a shortcut, Isla instructed through breaths, turning down another alley as the dispats shouted behind them. They ducked inside an alcove just out of sight as the dispats reached the intersection. The confusion delayed them for a moment, but Isla began tapping at the wall behind them. What are you doing? Silda asked, baffled. Like I said, shortcut. Finally, Isla's tapping found a hollow spot, and she tapped a hidden panel and the wall slid away. 
Scylla looked surprised, but wasted no time following Isla through the opening and closing the entry behind them. Scylla glanced around to see a red-lit corridor stretching off in front of them. Where are we? she asked. Smuggler's tunnels. They're all through this neighborhood. Helps move through without being seen too much. Scylla flattened against the wall and attempted to catch her breath. Her heart was pounding. She gazed down at the paw that had struck Dace, still shaking from the adrenaline. You okay? Isla asked. Huh? She replied distractedly. Oh, I... I don't know. Isla nodded with understanding. You decked that guy pretty good for someone who's never done it before. What? You could tell? It's all right. Natural to be a little shaky after that. You want to talk about it? I'm just tired, you know? Isla smiled somberly and lowered her head slightly in acknowledgement. Sila sighed. He's just another creep from web space. Not even the first. The cost of being a girl with a computer and a trans one to boot. She caught herself and glanced up to Isla to gauge her reaction, but Isla's expression didn't shift from one of sympathy. Sila continued, her eyes welling and her voice shaky. I'm just so sick of paying that price. There shouldn't be a tax for being me. Isla's face put on a motherly smile. Come here, hon. She reached out her arms and held the little rabbit to her and stroked her head. It's going to be okay. You found the right crew. Scylla sniffled. Thank you. Isla let her go with one last little tussle of her head. Come on. If we're lucky, we can get to the ship before they put out a bulletin, assuming there's not one already. Right, Scylla replied. She straightened, and the two headed down the corridor. The tunnels were warm and cramped, but the two managed to make good time weaving from one corridor to the next, following Isla's seemingly impeccable sense of direction. Finally, they stopped at a fork in the passage. Ahead, the route was blocked by a pile of debris. It looked as if the passage had collapsed, perhaps from disuse or some accident in the structure above. Continuing further this way would be impossible without construction equipment, though there was a passage heading off to the right that ended in a door just ahead. Damn it, Isla cursed. That was the passage straight through to the docking bay. We'll have to go through the checkpoint. Sela grimaced, then nodded, pulling the hood of her jacket up and over her ears. You think they got a good look at us? Hard to say. It was some ways down the alley... If they did, our passes will give us away in a heartbeat. Oh, I can help with that. Sila pulled out her data pad and began rapidly tapping away. Get out your pad. Isla drew hers and handed it to Sila, who tapped a few more times and with a whoosh and a ping, Isla's screen flashed with the notification that she had received a new entry pass to Calix Gate Station and to have a nice day. It's a good enough fake for the local guards, though if they run the IDs on the intersystem network, they'll flag in a heartbeat. But it was enough to get me through entry control in the first place. Isla pocketed her data pad again with a look of respect. 
I can see why the captain wanted you on board. Scylla beamed. Isla and Scylla exited the hatch carefully, peering out first to make sure no dispats or curious gawpers were there to see them emerge from the tunnels. Fortunately, the exit came out on a relatively deserted corner of the station, and they were soon able to blend in with the crowds easily enough without attracting attention. They made their way to the exit gate, keeping careful watch for disc pats. They passed a news screen, but no warning seemed to have been issued yet. Finally, they reached the queue for the exit gate. Sila double-checked their passes again, just to be sure the codes looked right. The line was slow. A family of pack rats, each seemingly carrying more luggage than the last, had ground the inspection lane almost to a halt. Sila did her best to avoid the gaze of security, but the stagnant pace increasingly made her feel like a sitting duck. Her runner's instincts were screaming, but she kept her fidgeting to a minimum by idly scrolling through technical articles on her datapad. The words mostly read as gibberish under this much pressure, but she figured looking down and busy would help her also look uninteresting to the guards. The last of the pack rats reached the inspection counter, and there was some confusion about one of the items in their luggage. It was hard to see and hear among the growing din of shuffling and grumbling from the queue, but it seemed something was wrong with one of their suitcases though it wasn't clear if it was possible contraband or just a stubborn latch. Several station border security began subtly moving towards the inspection counter to provide possible backup, while others eyed the tension growing among the crowd. The grumbling was growing into squabbling, and a large tiger some ways ahead of Scylla in the line shouted for the queue ahead to hurry up. The pack rat was growing distressed now. There was frantic movement and anxious sounds as they struggled again with the latch on the large suitcase that looked barely small enough for the little one to lift. The inspector was clearly growing frustrated themselves, barking stern orders of compliance and gesturing in a way that seemed to suggest a threat of detainment. As the rat's distress grew into actual cries, the murmur of the crowd seemed to shift from annoyance to concern as the additional backup moved in towards the rat from behind. As the anguished sounds of the pack rat and the roar of the crowd reached a fever pitch, the clasp of the suitcase finally snapped free, exploding in a shower of rubber balls. Thousands of bouncing toy balls burst forth in every direction, scattering underfoot, ricocheting off of walls, and striking guards and travelers alike. Chaos erupted. The guards scrambled to respond to the shower of projectiles, some making futile attempts to clear them from the aisle, while the pair who'd appeared as backup struggled to move on to the pack rat to detain them, but failing to gain stable footing through the sea of balls. The pack rat, seeing an opportunity or perhaps simply panicking, grabbed their remaining bags and rushed forward to the vocal objections of the inspector behind the counter. Seeing the pack rats rush, the queue behind them began to push too, pushing and shoving past the still bewildered guards. Sila found herself pushed both by herd instinct and physical force as the queue began to surge forward. As the wave crashed forth, Sila felt it threatening to sweep her away with it, but a strong hand gripped her shoulder and pulled her from the throng. It was Isla, of course. 
Sila's instincts at first almost resisted, the urge to run almost involuntary, but Isla caught her gaze with a stern look. She gestured toward the passages to either side of the frenzied queue, and Sila finally noticed the impending arrival of more guards to the scene. She understood the situation immediately. This was either going to calm quickly or get out of hand fast, and in either case, it seemed best to not be on the side of the increasingly riotous crowd when it did. Getting picked up by the disc bats wouldn't just mean disorderly conduct and a week's wage cut for the two of them, and Sela was very much not interested in finding out what the local prison colony was like. Come on, we might be able to take the cargo exit if we hurry. Sila followed Isla's lead, hurrying away from the crowd as the incoming backup struggled to contain and control the growing mob. As they raced toward the cargo district, a loudspeaker rang an announcement. Attention customers! Departures via Terminal 1 will be temporarily suspended due to a disturbance. Do not attempt to exit the station without proper clearance, or you will be subject to detainment by disciplinary patrol. Please vacate the premises, and we will notify you when the terminal is again ready for departures. Thank you for your cooperation. At last, they reached the surprisingly deserted cargo terminal, stopping some distance before to compose themselves before proceeding. Isla sized up the scene. They'd added a few extra guards, but it looked like the mob from Terminal 1 hadn't yet started seeking alternate routes. Just keep your head down, flash your pass, and move confidently. If those passes you made work, we'll be back on the four and three in no time, Isla said, seemingly as much to calm her own nerves as Sila's. What about the claw? Won't that flag the security sensors or something? Sila inquired in hushed, cautious tones. Don't worry. The composite material keeps it looking nice and boring to the sensors, but if anyone asks, it's not a weapon. It's a welding tool. Or just book it through the gate, Isla winked. They proceeded calmly to the exit lane. Isla approached the counter first with a surprisingly cheery expression. Hey! She checked the inspector's name tag. Doug? Listen, our ship's about to take off and we got a real important shipment due... Any chance you could let us through? We've got passes. What's your ship? The rather sleepy-looking hound replied, raising bored, half-lidded eyes slightly to regard Isla. The Far and Three, departing 2,800 hours. Right. Doug checked a data pad. Fine. Touch your data pad to the scanner, please. Isla did so, continuing her chatter all the while. Hey, do you know what's happening in Terminal 1? Sounds like a big mess. Just some customs scuffle. Customs thinks they caught a smuggler. You don't say. Isla replied with mock surprise as the scanner beeped and lit green. And your friend next. Doug gestured to Sela, who moved forward, keeping her head low and avoiding his gaze. She touched her pad to the scanner as well. What you got in the bag there, friend? Doug inquired. This? Oh, just some shopping. New clothes. She held up the bag and opened it as the light on the scanner lit green again and beeped. Doug nodded and waved them past. Have a nice trip. Thanks. You too. 
Isla intoned in the same cheery tones, and the two continued down the aisle. Isla passed the two guards at the end of the aisle without a hitch, but as Sila passed, something drove her to look up, and she caught the gaze of one of them, and time stopped. It was one of the two from earlier in the alleyway. She was sure of it. They must have been called in for backup after the Terminal 1 incident. She quickly glanced away and continued walking forward calmly, hoping he wouldn't recognize her beneath the hood, but just as she did so, she thought she caught a hint of recognition from the guard's face. She quickened her steps slightly to come up side by side with Isla and leaned in and whispered carefully, Get ready to run! The two continued to move calmly forward towards the final terminal gate into the docking bay, quickening their steps a little more with each stride. Sila didn't dare look back and risk only ensuring her cover was blown, but she thought she felt or heard a shuffling behind her as if the guard was turning around to get a better glance at her as she departed. The two rounded the gate, took a right turn, and immediately took off in a run the moment they broke line of sight. The farther between them and the terminal before the guards decided they recognized them, the better. The sound of footsteps stirred behind them, but neither stopped to even glance back. Instead, Isla made a show of glancing at the time on her data pad, as if to suggest they were merely in a hurry. By now, this was not far from the truth. The delays with the creep in the noodle shop and the chaos in Terminal 1 had cut them pretty close to scheduled takeoff. As she held the data pad in her hands, however, she heard it made a wicked buzz and a red warning message appeared on the screen. Their passes had, rather belatedly perhaps, been revoked. They'd been made. Sila had noticed the alert by now, too, and the two took off in a sprint, tucking past cargo containers and around busy Teamsters in an effort to break line of sight to the disc pats that would most certainly be rounding the corner behind them by now. They spotted the captain ahead, who started to wave, then looked alarmed by their pace. Isla gestured a quick wheels-up motion, indicating to be ready for a rapid takeoff. Three joined them in their run, and they sprinted the last hundred meters up onto the four and three's cargo ramp. As the captain jogged past towards the bridge, he turned toward the waiting eagle scouting the hangar. Button her up, Alvis. We're off in minus five. This has been Chapter 5 of A Chip's Edge by A.C. Danvers. Full text of this recording can be found on AO3 from the link in the show notes. You can now also support this series on Coffee at ko-fi.com slash A.C. Danvers. Thanks for listening and for supporting queer science fiction. Safe flying! <laughs>